leli lituba lukanda zange situ noma ukzila. Chogoze ningatala panza. Mangitome Ngoguchi, Happy Africa Day. Happy. Honorable members, before we proceed with today's business, I wish to announce that the vacancies which occurred in the National Assembly owing to the resignation of Mr. Gigi Hill-Lewis and Mr. J. Self have been filled with effect from the 25th of April, 2022 by the nomination of Mr. C.M. Fry, if I'm correct. You are welcome, Honorable Fry, and Mr. F. Essek. You are welcome, Honorable Members. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Members. The members have made a, and subscribed to the oath and affirmation in the Deputy Speaker's office. Lastly, I welcome you, honorable members. Lastly, in the interest of safety, please, honorable members, let's keep our masks and sit on your designated areas. Just a reminder, because we have been home, the rules still apply that we must wear our masks at all times. Honorable members, please note that the motion on the appointment of the Secretary to Parliament will by agreement stand over. And uh, having said that, we now proceed to the second motion on the order paper which is in the name of the chief whip of the majority party. So, Sveep. The family is just uh, entering the house now. I will allow them to sit before you proceed, honorable chief whip. That's very progressive. Thank you, chair. And take me photos. <laughs> it's Africa Day, Afrocentric. Gasne, <laughs> Bethe. 
Honorable Khadebe, will you indicate as soon as all the family members are in? All is well, Chief Whip. You may now proceed. Thank you very much, House Chair Mama Buroto, to members of this August House, in personal attendance as well as on virtual. Happy Africa Day. House Chair, Ndi Magulendau, this is my 18th member that I move a motion of condolences from 2020 to 2022. Honorable Sokacha is my 18th person from the ANC caucus. This house to note with great shock and sadness the tragic and untimely passing of African National Congress MP, Mr. Mkolisi Simon Sokacha, in a fatal car accident on Friday, 25th of March, 2022. This house to note and remember that a 57-year-old Sokacha joined the National Assembly after 2019 general election and was deployed to serve in the portfolio of health. Further remembers that he is a trained educator and an accountant who previously served in the Northern Cape Legislature from 2003 to 2019, 16 years of service, unbroken service, serving the people of Northern Cape. In various capacities, I served with Honorable Sokacha in all these portfolios in the MINMEC, MEC for Health, Social Development, Sport, Recreation, Arts and Culture, as well as Roads and Public Works. That this house recalls that during the 1980s, in the high repression, Mr. Sokacha was involved in the establishment of the Midlands and Karu Youth Congress, the affiliates of the South African Youth Congress of Gaibambe, the Young Lions. Further recalls that he served as a chairperson of the ANC's Big Speaker Seme region from 1997 to 1999. The House to acknowledge that Mr. Sokacha served as the first post-apartheid mayor of Richmond between 1994 and 1996-1996. Further acknowledge that at the time of his passing, he was a provincial executive committee member in the Northern Cape of the African National Congress. We believe that parliament lost a very principled member, hardworking and dedicated to his work a social light of note, a dancer. We extend our sincerest condolences to the family. Mama Unomvuyo Okoya Paya. Abandwana, Nolvuyo Andiswazikona, Melissa, the real Mr. Sokacha Jr. Younger Umpefumlo Wake, 
ungalala ngoxolo siyabulela kuni magcina botyhopho ngo nakuwe mamthembu ngosiboleka umyeni kuwe unyana kuni uthatha kubantwana bakhe yangamphefuno wakhe ungasikeleleka ulale ngoxolo umfundisi undulukile ngoba umfundisi uye wambiza i thank you Eh siyachokoza tshole siyachuba manje and sibiza labo abazokhuluma namhlanje Oh let me start by saying uh, the honorable Wilson from the GA is the first one to take the podium Thank you. The loss of a loved one is very hard, but the sudden unexpected loss of a loved one is particularly difficult. We can only imagine the Sokotcha family's pain. The Honorable Sokotcha was born in Richmond in January 1965. Regular travelers of the N1 to Cape Town may well have known or heard about Richmond. It is a small town between Colesburg and Beaufort West and apart from the garage on the side of the road the town is easily missed. A couple of years ago on route from Cape Town to my home province Limpopo my car broke down not far from Richmond. It was a Saturday afternoon and I was distraught knowing that businesses garages and anything else in the area were likely to be closed for the weekend. I managed to get to Richmond and indeed apart from the garage where there was only one person to pour fuel most of the businesses in the area were closed bar one with little help from the garage I walked to the only open business and found a young man called Dean when I explained my dilemma to him he jumped into action and within no time at all several people from the town had gathered to assist me they drove me back to my car 22 kilometers away from richmond assessed the situation drove back to and then drove back to richmond they managed to find the parts for the car needed and with expertise got me back on the road Dean and his lovely team who had taken my numbers sent me messages and prayers the whole way back to Limpopo until they were sure I had arrived there safely. And what has this to do with the honorable Sakacha you ask? Well, the honorable Sakacha and I had three passions in common. Both from Europe, both from rural communities, the small and often forgotten small towns were close to both of our hearts. I discovered a small remote town full of wonderful Christian folk who were prepared to do whatever possible to ensure that I was safe and well seen to. When I was distraught they told me that it was merely the devil's work and that our David would overcome the Goliath and together with prayer and faith we did. The honorable Sakacha was proud of his roots and justifiably so. He was the first apartheid mayor of Richmond from 1994 to 1996 and was a student of theology and a teacher. He worked tirelessly for the upliftment of rural towns and the people there. We shared the same faith and concerns about the plight of the poor and vulnerable in these remote areas. This is obvious in Richmond where he was obviously very influential. 
I worked with the Honorable Sakacha for five years on the portfolio of health and his commitment to highlighting the plight of the struggling health system in the Northern Cape was very apparent. He served in as accountant, as an accountant chief whip and in various portfolios as an MEC in the Northern Cape legislature from 2003 to 2019 before coming to the National Assembly. He has a long record in senior positions in politics. Despite our ideological differences, the Honorable Sakacha never shied away from a debate or a civil and mature discussion and was willing to listen to other perspectives. We had some interesting discussions both about politics and our different backgrounds where we often found common ground. He and I shared a passion for food and he would often entertain with stories about his favorite foods. His love of his wife's cooking and indigenous foods and herbs. Mrs. Sakacha, he often told me that nobody would ever be able to cook as well as you do. You knew his diet well. He shared stories of his children and their successes and was a very proud and loving father too. Mrs. Sukacha and your children, he loved you greatly. Please accept our sincerest condolences on your tragic loss. To his colleagues and friends in the ANC, our thoughts and prayers are with, are with you all. May his soul rest in eternal peace. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Wilson. May we now invite the Honorable Chirwa. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Greetings to the Commander-in-Chief of the EFF, Julia Sello Malema, all the officials, commissars, fighters and ground forces of the EFF. Today, as the EFF, we stand in solidarity to mark the life of the now late Honorable Nkolisi Simon Sokaja who sadly and untimely left the mundane world to join other fallen heroes. The EFF sends a heartfelt condolences to his wife, his children, extended family, friends, comrades, and to the African National Congress on their loss. As Africans, the empathy of the loss of life supersedes various forms of solidarity. We are one when a child is born, and we are one when one of us departs this year earth. This moment, Chairperson, is no different. We are one with his family and his loved ones in grieving and noting his life. Although prematurely ended, it was well-lived and to the fullest. Honorable Mkoli Sisokach, amongst many of the roles he played, serving as the Embassy of Health in the Northern Cape, and most recently as a member of the Portfolio Committee of Health, was one of the very few genuine cadres who was committed to the work of the Portfolio Committee we've served in together since 2019. In moments of heated conflict and disagreement, he would attempt in his own peculiar way to simmer down the flames. And when in the wrong, and even when he was right, he had the humility to not only withdraw his sentiments, but to apologize profusely during the meeting and even privately. He understood the sentiment that Kushoni Shwagabili, in his quest to display loyalty and allegiance to his political party, he did not forget humanness and sincerity in interpersonal interactions. We were blessed enough to share the journey of rounding up public hearings for the NHI across the country in 2019. He would be the earliest to board in the morning. And true to his charismatic nature, he would be the last to get inside in the transport on our way back because he would interact with everyone, no matter their social class and or background and political party or the T-shirt that they wore. 
he had the charisma and ability to round all of us up at the dinner table after the public hearings and share hilarious recollections of his history, his family, and his children whom he loved and never forgot to mention whenever in high spirits. My deepest condolences are thus directed to his wife and his children. Know that he loved and cherished all of you. He carried you with him everywhere he went. And he found great joy sharing how much he appreciated the warmth and the support he received from his family. The country will forever be appreciative of your borrowing of your father and your husband to the country. To the nation at large, who have lost a leader in his own right. May his soul rest in perfect and eternal peace until we meet again. Thank you very much, Chairperson. From the IFP. Honorable Chairperson. Yes, I'm talking about the Thank you very much. Mshalinga pambele si kala sonke inyembezi zetu ziyakopoza zijula nisho izindebe ngale nsizwa yomshabati wa se South Africa ubaba usokaja begungu baba kungu mfundisi kungu tisha Nakore si kalela isizwe ngakoronke lokhu njenge IFP simbonile ubabu sokhatsha ekwenza konke kodwa mama usokhatsha okuhle ngonkulunkulu ukuthi akakwenza ngaphezu kwamandla sonke sasikhathazekile ngeCovid Sonke sasikhathazekile ngoshukela kababu sokhatsha kodwa uNkulunkulu wenze yakhe indlela nangesakhi isikhathi ngakho duduzeka ngiduduza nomama SKZN le ngakithi ukuthi mama duduzeka indodana yakho ibihlala njalo ikhuluma ngomama ithi ngizodrive ngeKZN ngiyobona mama ngithokoze ngokole nomama ube umuntu wamanqoko uma sengena emsebenzini futhi ubengena emsebenzini bekubabo bezihlonipha it is with deepest sadness that the ingatha free party had the ultimate death of the honorable mcolise sokatsha i wish to extend on the behalf of excellency Prince of Wapindangene, the Honorable President in Meritus of Ikata Freedom Party, and our caucus leader in Parliament, our deepest condolences in the family, friends, and Honorable Mkolisi Sokaja's wife, as well as his colleagues, 
the ANC. Honorable Sokaja, at the time of that, served as a member of Portfolio Committee on Health. We will always remember him as kind, warm-hearted person who contributed deeply to the Portfolio Committee deliberations. He carried out his oversight duties with diligence and passion, and he will be great missed by all members of the Portfolio Committee. We Portfolio Committee ngithi bantakwethu akwehlanga lungehlanga kwiportfolio committee ngiyanikhalela nani bekuyiwulimi lwakhe kusokhatsha athi mntakwethu we also wish to extend our deepest sympathy to the former colleagues in the northern cape province provincial government where honorable sokhatsha served before becoming a member of parliament. We wish to honor his commitment in the fight for democracy for his early student days, serving on the South African Student Congress and his lifelong contribution as a public servant. Ubabu Sokaja, ube yindota yangambela, ube nga ukoshiwe nomdenuke, enga likoshiwe nezwe. May the passing of Sokaja remind us, all of us, of the duty we have towards the people of South Africa to continue striving and working towards a better future for all who live in, in this country. Mam uh, Sokaja. May his soul rest in peace. I thank you. Chogoze mamlengwa, Sragela Pambili, Siviza Ilungale FF Plus, Umsonichwa van Staden. Thank you, Voorzitter. Ik heb de vorige gehad om samen met meer Sukatje te dienen op je portefeuille Comité van Gezondheid. Sedert ons inswering als leren van het parlement in 2019 tot en met zijn afsterven vroeger van jaar. Een man met een rijke activistische en politieke geschiedenis. Een man wat verkies was als burgemeester van het dorp Richmond in 1994. Daarna verkies als lid van die Noordkaapse provinciale wetgever vanaf 2003 tot 2019, waar hij gediend is LER van gezondheid, maatschappelijke ontwikkeling, sport, kunstcultuur en ook als LER van paai en openbare werken. Sedert ons mekaar hier in het parlement ontmoet het, het ons een baie goeie band met mekaar gehad. Dit moet die Afrikaanse taal wees wat ons saam gebind het, Maar nie die taal nie, maar ook om rede ons soortgelijke ooreenkomste gehad het in ons onderskye loobade. Eerst as activiste en later as politici. Toe ons as, as komitee op oorzicht besoeke was, of toe ons met die nationale gezondheidsverzekering dier die land gereis het, en lang hier op die pad spandeer het, het die lang pad besonder vannig kort geraak met een man wat die beste stories kon vertel en allemaal kon laat skater van die lach. Ons twee het baie laadnachtig gesit en gesels over skye sake 
en in soeken na oplossings vir ons land en sy probleme. Ons het mekaar gereeld in die blote per WhatsApp gevraag hoe dit gaan en of die families nog wel is. As ek op die langpad was, het ek gereeld gebel om te hoor of ek al by die huis in Pretoria is en of ek al veilig in Kaapstad aangekom het. Ons so mekaar nog hierdie jaar besoek het, maar dit het ongelukkig nog nie gerealiseer nie. Ongeacht ons politieke verskille in die komitee, het daar toch die afgelopen drie jaar een besonderse band gevormd tussen dieren van die komitee oor gezondheid. Ons beklaai met mekaar in hart ook, ja, maar ons gesels en lach net so hard saam ook. Die respect wat ons mekaar het is werkelijk iets besonders. Daarom is het toch hartseer as een van ons collega's skielik oor nacht afsterf en jy die volgende ochend begroet word met die slechte nieuws. To be family of honorable Sukatja and the caucus of the ANC, on behalf of the Freedom Front Plus, our sincere condolences. His death was indeed very tragic and shocking to all of us. We as members of a portfolio committee on health has become like a family despite our political differences. And if something happens to one of us, it happens to all of us. We felt each other pain. My God be with the family of Honorable Sukacha and the colleagues of the ANC. Rest in peace, my friend. You will be missed. Rest in freedom, my friend. Ons gaan jou baie mis. Dankie, voorzitter. Baie dankie. Se wolle die sesilate lang go jago ACDP go tofa manjo akumojo kimme sukers. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Chair. Um, I stand to extend the condolences of our President, Reverend Kenneth Meshwe, and the leadership of the ACDP to the family, the friends, and to the organization, the ANC, on the passing of Honorable Tolisa Simon Sokacha. It is with shock and sadness that I learned that Honorable Sokacha passed on the Saturday morning after his fatal accident. It was very hard because as mentioned by Honorable Van Staden and Sheikh Imam that morning, this sixth parliament has experienced the most, most deaths that both have ever seen in their political lives. It calls us to pause and consider what must we do in response. And collectively, we should take the moments like this to reflect on our own lives, what it means for our country when we lose leaders of the caliber of Mr. Sokacha. Mr. Sokacha, as ek moet nou in Afrikaans sê, hy was a ordentlike mens. En a typische onderwijzer. <laughs> Met a hartelijkheid so eie aan die Noordkaap en die Karoe. Die Noordkaapse menselijkheid met die open hart en die warm geaardheid soos die aarde waar vandaan hy kom. Die laaste portofilie komitee vergadering voor sy ontijdige dood het erbare Sokacha die vergadering gelei. Hy het na my verwijs met my volle name, Marie Elizabeth Soekers. And no one has called me that in a long time with both names. Um, 
en hy het met een glimlach gesê, eerbare soekers, that smile is what I was looking for on your face. We must bring a smile to each other's faces. So aan die mense van Honorable Sukacha, ek wil vir u dankie sê, dankie dat u die pa en man gedeel het met een land en met sy mense en met die mense van Richmond. Dankie dat u om toegelaat het om een legacy achter te los wat baie mense sal ondou. For those of us who believe in the Lord, we know that when we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. Honorable Sokacha introduced himself to me as my brother in the faith. We have what the hymnal describes, a blessed assurance, and I'm going to just read the first verse. It is an old hymn that carries a truth for every believer, and it is my encouragement to you. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Hair of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my savior all the day long. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Baya danki akbaralit sukers. Richa lapili. Rivicha from UGM. Mshom teri kwangwa. Honorable kwangwa. Yeah, no. Sizamen kaswono guchi. Ngeke simtole futina. Honorable Sheikh Imam, you may take the platform. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Allow me on behalf of the National Freedom Party to express our deepest condolences to the family, friends, and colleagues of the late Honorable Nkolisi Sokasha. And also allow me to extend our condolences to the African National Congress. And yes, indeed, every time we got to this platform and had to extend condolences, it was very, very painful. We can lose a member of parliament and you can replace them. But when you lose a father, it's very difficult to replace them. So we know and understand the pain that you go through. I had the privilege of serving in the Portfolio Committee on Health with Honorable Sokacha. Indeed, I can assure you, and I want to say this to his wife and his children, if there's anything and anyone you should be proud of is your late husband and your dad. Served this country with distinction, starting in 2003, in the Northern Cape Provincial Legislature until his last breath. He served this country and he served his people. Honorable Chairperson, we often forget 
the sacrifices that public representatives like members of parliament make, the time they stay away from their families. Sometimes their children grow up without these fathers and mothers, the politicians or public representatives. And when you realize it, they have grown. So look at the time you've lost. Look at the time you spend away from home. Look at the time and the risks you put yourself when you spend time on the roads. And here indeed was a tragic accident that the Honorable Sokacha lost his life. I want to finally say to the family and friends and the ANC, you can go back there and rest knowing that indeed this servant of the people served us with the highest level of integrity, commitment and dedication. You can be proud that he left a legacy and my appeal to his family members is follow in the footsteps of your dad who served the people and served this nation. Our condolences once again to you, to the African National Congress. It's a sad day, but we can celebrate the life of this leader. Thank you very much. Rilo Vita from the AIC in Tatejavka. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair, the African Independent Congress dips its revolutionary banners in honor of the exemplary life that Comrade Mkoli Sokacha embraced during his lifetime. Comrade Sokacha's life was cut short in a terrific car accident outside Belmont in the Northern Cape. He dedicated his life to public service and occupied various roles in the Northern Cape, including serving as the chairperson of the Northern Cape's legislature on the Education Committee. He also held various things as the MEC of the province in various capacities such as being the MEC for Social Development, Roads and Public Works, and Arts, Sports and Culture. His passion for activism was laid bare when he led the South African Democratic Trade Union in Hraf Reinet and Richmond. More rewarding to his movement, the ANC, was his commitment to the ANC itself which he served with abiding loyalty for three years as the chairperson of Priestly Kaiseme region. Our sympathy goes to his family and loved ones. His very commitment to our democracy has improved the lives of many South Africans. And we thank him and his family for that. May his soul rest in peace. I thank you, Chair. We proceed and now invite the Honorable Hendrix from Al Jamal. Because of my extent, our deepest 
sympathy to the family and friends of the Honorable Sukacha, member of the African National Congress, who passed on in a tragic car accident on the night of the 25th of March, 2022, exactly two months ago. The late Chukacha has been described by his ANC colleagues as a revolutionary and a disciplined cadre. He had spent most of his life fighting for a democratic and free South Africa, and he became the first mayor of Richmond in a post-apartheid South Africa. When a revolutionary falls, the earth shakes, and today we still feel a, the tremors of sadness. So Kacha was a qualified educator and an accountant and will be remembered as a humble person. He was dedicated to his work and served well on the Portfolio Committee on Health. I attended the first meetings of the Portfolio Committee on Health regularly as an alternate member and he asked me to make more time as he saw I was passionate about universal health care and he wanted the first health facility to be launched on the Cape Flats. He was committed to taking forward the implementation of the National Health Insurance Act. The way Al Jamaa wants to honor the late Sokachi is to make sure that the NHI brings medical care to all in South Africa. And it is remembered that this is part of the legacy he left behind. He will be remembered as a dedicated public servant who prioritized the interests of the people. May the fond memories of him bring comfort to the family, friends, and his colleagues during this time of bereavement, especially the honorable members of the ANC in this house. May his soul rest in peace, Ambakali Comrade Sukatsa. <laughs> Okay, we now move on and then uh, we ask uh, Dr. Jacobs. Thank you, Chief Whip. Thank you, uh, Chairperson. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of, head of heaven and earth. That is Psalm 121. And you might ask, why am I quoting this verse? And it's purely because in the last six months, it is what Honorable Sukacha and I had been talking a lot about. You might not know, but we had many telephone calls late in the night. Ask uh, Mrs. Uh, Sukacha there. Uh, whenever there's a bit of trouble on my side or a little trouble on his side, we would call each other. And apart from that, we would also talk about the work of the portfolio committee. He would always talk about his studies in theology and the fact that he was going to be a full-time pastor when he had completed his term in parliament. And he would always say, my real job is the umfundisi. And... Uh, you know, I would always wonder, so, so um, I would say, uh, so Honorable Sukacha, of course, I would say Comrade Sukacha, so what is it that you're really talking about? And he would say the following verse, and I'm going to quote this verse, and I'm also going to give a following up verse, is 
and it was Psalm 27, verse 1, and I'm going to say it in Afrikaans because that was a favorite language uh, of Honorable Sukacha. Die Jere is my licht en my heil vir wie sou ek vrees. And it is wat baie interessant dat uh, Biskop April vandag jyselde veer so koteer het. And ek was baie uh, uh, beindruk, want het sê soveel, spreek soveel boekdele van die persoon, dat ons allemaal vandag hier die waarheid praat oor die persoon, dat ons jyselde veers kon oorgepraat het. Maar in vers 8 uh, word ons herinner daar staan, jy het vir my hart gesê, kom en dien my. Ek antwoord, Heere, ek kom jy dien. Now, you know this, when we spoke about this, and Honorable Sukasha would say, you know what, I am preparing myself. And I always thought he was looking for the salvation, the truth of salvation, and what did that to mean to his own life. Now, through those discussions, Honorable Sukasha was revealing the real person that he was, and that all of his participation in the matters of the struggles of the people no matter where he was finding himself or which deployment he was participating in, he served us with honors because of an intense awareness of his duties in terms of his faith to serve the people. And no wonder that he had served in so many organizations and that he had reached such heights in those organizations to serve as chairperson, to serve as MEC, etc. And it was all rooted in himself and his faith in what he believed in. He was really a true a social activist because that was at the heart of his, of his participation in the work of the people, whether it was as a student, a struggle in education, as a member of a teachers union, a struggle for legislative changes at provincial or national level. Everywhere that he was, you would have seen it would have been in the struggle of our people as we are still looking towards the emancipation that is ours and we should be reminded of it, that we had not fully really reached that emancipation. Now, Honorable Sukasha being described as humble, hardworking, with a character of a true example of the Christian faith, was also involved in the improvement of the lives of the people of South Africa. The departure of Honorable Kholisi Sukacha through untimely and tragic death has unspeakably devastated the Portfolio Committee on Health. He was deployed to the National Assembly by his party, the African National Congress, and uh, after the 2019 general elections, he was then deployed to this committee. The work of this uh, portfolio committee and its mandate was very close to Honorable Sukacha's heart. He practiced, the, he prioritized the work of the committee and played his role in it with outstanding dedication and commitment. He was heavily invested in it because he believed firmly in the national health insurance and the right to every, for everybody to have access to quality health care. Again, the good of all and the good for all was the mainstay of his beliefs. He will leave a, he leaves a shining legacy where will be forever indebted to him for the work that he has done. Those closest to him described him, and as I said earlier, as a family man. A man who would always speak about his wife and his children in every single telephone conversation. I knew each and every one of them by name. I knew the characters already by what Honorable Sukacha would be speaking to me about the phone, on the phone. I know that there is one task that he had left with me and his uh, daughter to be uh, readmitted to medical school. 
uh, after they've had some struggles. And really, I'm raising this, this platform so that we work as a portfolio committee towards that achievement, something that he really wanted to happen in his lifetime. So I commit myself that, myself that we are really going to work very hard towards that. To the family, his wife and his children, I want to say you were much loved by your husband and father. I firmly believe that Honorable Sukacha had tasted that salvation which he was seeking before his departure from this very earth, which was so untimely. It was a great shock to all of us. We had really, and it was, it was said here, we had really expected that maybe with COVID it was a very bad time for him, and that we were on the telephone so much. And I do miss that time when he was on the ventilator that I was not able to speak with him. And uh, it was a very difficult time being concerned and all of us not being able to contact each other during that period. And we must always be reminded people of South Africa about that time so that we are very careful about what we do in terms of our interactions. And please um, wear your mask, maintain social distance, sanitize regularly, wash your hands with water and soap, make certain that you protect the, the people whom you love. We are missing you already, my dear friend. Hamagasle, rest in peace. Thank you very much. Dr. Jacobs. Uh, that uh, concludes the speaker's list on this matter. But before I proceed, Hagere Maharen Harona, Renalim Meme Sokacha. Barredi ba antate sokacha, babuhadi bahasokacha, and lebali luku bahona. Libule zitata kavaredi ba antate sokacha, iku pahwe me bona lebaboni kamu iku. Kibaredi ba lele lele luku lele felix ingle lele ingle kaya makama uju. Honorable members, I take it that there are no objections to the motion being adopted. Will members please rise to observe a moment of silence in the memory of Mr. M.S. Sokacha? The presiding officers associate themselves with the motion. Uh, the condolences of the house will be conveyed to the Sokacha family. Thank you very much. I will now ask the Secretariat to read the order of the day. Debate on Freedom Day, Africa Month, strengthening resilience and sustainability in nutrition and food security on the African continent. I will now invite 
the Honorable Dr. Mutsaka. Oh, let's allow the family. Let's allow the family to exit. That's Rareshuri Swanijir Jirajwal. Honorable House Chairperson, uh, Honorable Members, in general, we use Africa Day to celebrate the gathering of African leaders in Addis Ababa to form the Organization of African Unity OAU on the 25th May 1963. Africa is the richest continent, but her people are the poorest because some of the modern African leaders have forgotten that the struggle of the African people as our icon Walter Sisulu called it, was the realization of the right of African people to self-determination. This right entails a struggle for political, social, and economic rights. After achieving political rights, some African leaders thought it was Uhuru, that is, they had arrived. They did not know that political rights without social and economic rights is not complete freedom and independence. Every nation needs social freedom which resides in the arts, culture, and heritage of her people. The soul of a nation resides in this social or soft power. Above all, the life of a nation resides in its economic power, which includes the power of a nation to feed, heal, and dress itself. Today, Africans depend on foreigners to provide food, medicines, and attire. Allow me, therefore, uh, Honorable House Chairperson, to highlight the principal object of the struggle of the African people and the constraints on uh, the enjoyment of this right by our people. During World War II, Africa witnessed the emergence of new dynamic and radical African leaders who demanded not the reform of the colonial system, but its total abolition and the restoration of African dignity, sovereignty, political, social, and economic freedom. These African revolutionary leaders convened the Pan-Africanist Congress in, at Manchester in 1945. This Congress was attended by Interalia, Jomo Kenyatta, Kwame Nkrumah, who was rooted in Ethiopianism and Pan-Africanism. During his sojourn in the United States and Great Britain, this fifth, uh, uh, Kwame Nkrumah uh, revived and rekindled interest in Pan-Africanism, but also called for the liberation of Africa from colonial rule and worked out strategies and tactics for accomplishing this, which some of the leaders later applied. Kwame Nkrumah led Ghana 
to independence in 1957. The following year, 1958, he convened the first Pan-African Congress at Accra, the capital city of Ghana, on the African soil, soil. The eight participants could not have been more diverse. Not one of them was at all close to the liberation ideology of Nkrumah, and yet they met together, committed themselves to the decolonization of Africa by nonviolent means, and agreed to condone the armed struggle in Algeria and South Africa. They also agreed not to interfere in each other's internal affairs. Kwame Nkrumah, the father of Pan-African nationalism, in December 1958, he convened a conference of all African peoples. This conference projected an unexpectedly rapid agenda for decolonization of Africa. Kwame Nkrumah, who had inspired this historic All African uh, People's Conference, wrote about it as follows. I quote, from 5th to 13th December, I invited freedom movements and political parties in Africa to a conference in Accra. Delegates came from British, French, Belgian, Portuguese and Spanish colonial territories. This was the first all Pan-African People's Conference. What I had in mind was to give the forces of the liberation movement the strategy to move into action and the tactics for that strategy. It was to sound the clarion call for the advance and final assault on imperialism and complete eradication of colonial oppression in Africa. Freedom fighters came from all over uh, the continent and those who were then unknown and are now the leaders, presidents and prime ministers of the colonized territory they represented. My object again was to infuse into the African revolution new spirit and a new dynamism and to create this where they were lacking. I close the quote. At the conference made, at, at the conference, two significant points were made. First and foremost, Nkrumah committed himself to the total liberation of Africa in more definite and emphatic terms. And I quote, Ghana supports the struggle of the dependent peoples for the speedy elimination of imperialism, colonialism, and the eradication from this continent of racialism. As I have always declared, even before Ghana attained her present sovereign status, the struggle for the independence of Ghana will be meaningless unless it is linked with the total liberation of Africa I close the quote. In rejecting racism, whether it be white or black, Nkrumah said, I quote, when I speak of Africa for Africans, it should not be interpreted in the light of my emphatic declaration that I do not believe in racialism. The concept of Africa for the Africans does not mean that other races are excluded from it. It only means that Africans who are naturally in the majority in Africa shall, shall and must govern themselves in their own countries. The conference was attended among others by leaders of the national liberation movements of Tanzania, Zanzibar, 
Zambia, Kenya, Angola, Guinea-Bissau, and Cape Verde Islands. All in all, there were some 300 delegates representing the entire continent of Africa. The African iconic leader, Patrice Lumumba of the Congo, made a short speech where he denounced the balkanization of Congo and ended his speech with a cry of down with colonialism and imperialism, down with racism and tribalism, long live the Congolese nation, long live independent Africa. The conference passed a number of resolutions. The most important resolution was on imperialism and colonialism in order to combat the colonial strategy of uh, divide and, 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 and rule. Honorable uh, uh, House Chairperson, uh, in 1960, when a handful of African countries were free, there was the first sitting of the uh, UN General Assembly. That sitting brought together newly independent African leaders uh, in Harlem, the incubation center of uh, African nationalism. There they met with Fidel Castro, who actually emerged as the leader of the Afro-African uh, nations. And it was uh, in that conference where the basis for the African struggle was uh, clearly uh, uh, an ex ex explained in resolution 1514, which was championed by Khrushchev, the Soviet uh, uh, leader. That uh, uh, resolution made it clear that uh, all colonial powers must transfer power to the colonized people without restrictions or any form of uh, conditions. And uh, that meant therefore that uh, the type of freedom that had to be given to the people must be full political, social and economic freedom. And if that had happened, we would not have an Africa today which is poor, where the people are sick and the people cannot help themselves. They rely on foreign countries, especially Europe, to feed, heal, and uh, dress them. And therefore, this means that uh, land reform and, uh, is indispensable for food security. We cannot, after so many years of freedom in Africa, have a situation of food insecurity. But food insecurity is not going to depend on resolutions by parliaments that there must be enough food for the people. The food security can only be guaranteed if we effect meaningful land reform because the land is the basis of any economic power. On the land, people are able to produce food, medicines, minerals, arts, and crafts. During colonial times, the monopolies owned agricultural farmlands, water, and mineral rights and markets. 
The colonialists were therefore able to control food and mineral production and to reduce uh, colonial peoples into their cheap labor. Leaders like Fidel Castro, Patrice Lumumba, Kwame Nkrumah, and Thomas Sankara became the victims of European imperialism because they opposed monopolies and exploitation of colonial people. This European aggression forced newly independent African states to become dependent on foreign monopolies for food, medicines, and all goods and services. Thus, African countries do not own their economies. Countries like Zimbabwe, which was the breadbasket of Great Britain, was brought to its knees by, by trying to regain the land and natural resources, which is a prerequisite for establishing a national economy. African countries. Uh, House Chairperson, <clears throat> the Charter of the, Af the United Nations Organization enjoins African states to, amongst other things, create a better life for all the peoples of Africa. Post-1994, South Africans were promised freedom and a better life for all. South Africa's constitution was that was adopted in 1996 bears the hallmarks of a liberal democratic order. The o Organization Afri of African Unity also enjoined leaders in the continent to play an active role in the global arena. The Ukraine war provides Africa with an opportunity to introspect on global matters that affect our food basket. In keeping with the spirit of the OAU Charter, the Democratic Alliance leader not only spoke against the war in Ukraine, but also visited the conflict zone and saw firsthand the threat of food scarcity and looming high inflation if the war persists. That is what Africans do, show love and care. But to Kirotolana, House Chairperson, while 60% of the world's arable land in, is in Africa, the continent is faced with many farming challenges with abundant opportunities. <clears throat> Sorry. The challenges and other, con contrib th this challenges and other contrib cont contribute to many of our brothers and sisters to flee the continent to the West to seek asylum and refuge due to hunger and other economic reasons because our institutions are being mismanaged. House Chair, our challenges are not without opportunities. Already prior to Russian war on Ukraine, prices of fertilizers have already gone up by over 100%, and we expect another increase of 70%. All the potassium and 70% of the nitrogen fertilizers are being imported, while Fosco is supposed to be the, able to produce fertilizers cheaply for the whole SADC region. Due to the mismanagement, the institution is producing less than 20% of the needed fertilizers for farmers. As parliamentarians, let's join hands Let's make agriculture work in the continent. We're duty-bound to ensure institutions such as FOSCO work and that the continent continue 
to produce enough fertilizers and lower costs of production and ultimately lower the cost of inter-African trade in the continent. House Chairperson, under the ANC, many agricultural institutions collapsed due to poor policy choices on diplomatic relations, investment and food production. For example, the land bank used to provide cheaper loans to farming community. Poor policies choices have failed the bank. The lesson learned in the continent is not to repeat the mistakes of Zimbabwean's government's expropriation of farms. Despite these uncertainties caused by poor policy choices on Spur Viet that Bure Maka Plan Altate. To strengthen resilience and sustainability in nutrition and food security on the continent, we must accept that the continental and global challenges affect our farmers. The quiet diplomacy on global matters by our government, the ANC government, is a cause for concern. We have a duty to engage the global community to avoid the global risk of food production. While the potential dire consequences of Russian war on the continent is huge, our farmers remain resilient. They need government support, not the corruption from our colleagues on the right. As we celebrate Africa Day's milestone, Let's join hands and address the looming danger of inflation on the food production. May this Africa Day be remembered as the day when Africa look, took itself a right place in the world. A day when African legislators stood up and spoke out against attacks on foreign sovereign countries and the threat imposed on world food production. I thank you, Chair, and happy Africa Day. The next speaker is the Honorable Msane from the EFF. Thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, on this day in 1963, 32 heads of states of newly independent African nations met in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia in order to chart a new path forward for growth and development in the continent. They did so mindfully of the devastation brought to the people of the continent by colonial conquest that had ravaged the continent over three centuries at the time. They were mindful of the fact that for a period of over four centuries, the West had abducted over 25 million African people and turn them into slaves, in the slaves in plantations of America, which in turn provided the basis upon which American and the entire Western capitalist economy grew. They were not confused about the artificial nature of the borders that colonialism installed in the continent, which separated families, clans, and communities. The Emperor Haile Selassie of Ethiopia, who hosted the inaugural conference of the Organization of African Unity, outlined the purpose of the meeting in 1963 as follows. I quote, we have come together to assert our role in the direction of the world affairs and to discharge our duty to the great continent whose 250 million people we lead. Africa is today at mid-course, in transition from the Africa of yesterday to the Africa of tomorrow. Even as we stand here, 
We move from the past into the future, the task of which we have embarked, the making of Africa will not wait. We must act to make sure to make shape and mold the future and leave our imprint on events as they slip past into the history, close quote. Today, 59 years later, Africa has not made much progress towards freeing herself from the bondage of neo-colonial control. As the towering Pan-Africanist, Dr. Mkwame Nkrumah had anticipated, the failure to unite the African continent has given birth to clusters of client states who exist mainly for the purpose of enabling the continued neo-colonial control of the continent by their former colonial masters. Despite her resources today, Africa and the African people as a whole continue to be the wretched of the earth. Africa has about 60% of all arable land in the world good and large enough to wipe out poverty and ferment in the continent. Yet we are home to the world's largest population of poor people. Most of the land is in the hands of neo-colonial masters or locked up in unreasonable land administration systems that prevent development. The Grand Inga Hydro Project in the Democratic Republic of Congo can produce power that can light up the entire continent. But it is also in the hands of neo-colonial masters who are going to do everything to prevent the completion in that project, who will ensure that it benefits them more than it benefits the continent. The continent has the largest reserves of platinum, the largest reserves of gold and diamonds. The, the Congo alone has 80% of the world's reserves of coltan, a mineral that is used to produce advanced cell phones. The Ivory Coast and Ghana are the world's largest producers of cocoa. And yet the very same producers of cocoa hardly see the products such as chocolate made from the very same cocoa they produce. Africa does not benefit from all these resources because we have maintained the colonial structure of our economies. We extract from the African soil critically important resources and these are then shipped outside the continent as raw products to be processed in the Western, Afri in the Western countries and import back at, the, at a premium price of finished goods. This is a consequence of a lack of centrally planned economy for the continent. We need to revisit key plans such as the Abuja Treaty, which emphasize and had timelines for the ultimate unification of the continent. We need a bold pan-African approach to African development, premised on the political and economic unity of the continent. The new African Continental Free Trade Agreement must emphasize the need for manufacturing and infrastructure development as the backdrops upon which the African continent can develop. The Pan-African Parliament must be given greater legislative powers and have exclusive areas for legislation making for the entire continent. Areas such as defense, economic and monetary policies must be driven from a centralized basis 
to shield Africa from opportunistic and greedy Western influences. Lastly, we call on France and all other, and other colonialists to leave the African continent alone. We can do well on ourselves without the interference of former colonizers. Africa Liberation Day will remain a hollow celebration if we do not do what the founding fathers of the OAU sought to achieve, and that is a united continent, able to feed and develop her own people. Africa Day, without full control of African resources, without much. a complete withdrawal of former colonial masters, without full eradication of poverty and underdevelopment, is just a hollow celebration. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Member. The Honorable Sangwa from the IFP. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chairperson. According to an April 2022 media report, the International Committee of the Red Cross says about 346 million people in Africa are facing severe food insecurity, meaning they have likely experienced hunger. The causes are listed as conflict, climate change, and rising food and fuel prices. It is therefore fitting that the African Union's theme for this year is strengthening resilience in nutrition and food security on the African continent, and that we must gather today on Africa Day to discuss this critical issue. This particularly as South Africa has not escaped unscathed. According to 2022 Statistics South Africa report, in 2020, almost 23.6% of South Africans were affected by moderate to severe food insecurity, while almost 14.9% experienced severe food security. With nearly one in four South Africans forced to skip meals and go to bed hungry on a regular basis, one could be forgiven for focusing first on the nutrition needs of our own people and developing our own resilience before reaching out to the rest of the continent. Our constitution under section 27 states that everyone has the right to have access to sufficient food and water. However, instead of ensuring the provision of this most basic human right and necessity for life, government department, departments lose billions to corruption and irregular and fruitless and wasteful expenditure every year. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we have civil society and organizations like Food Forward South Africa that provide millions of meals to vulnerable South Africans, access all nine provinces each year, delivering one meal costs Food Forward South Africa only 68 cents, which is less than one rand per meal. How many, how many millions could be rescued from hunger if government had a faithful steward of the country's purse? Surely then we would also have sufficient resources to provide assistance to our food insecure brothers and sisters on the African continent. As the Inkata Freedom Party, we do not sit idly by as children starve. And this is why food security has long been part of the IFP's top priorities where we govern, consistent with the teachings of Prince Mangusu Chuktilizi, not just on Africa Day or in Africa Month, but every day, every month, and every year. Where the IFP governs, we support subsistence farmers by providing materials and equipment to promote local economic development. We develop cooperatives and assist emerging farmers, in particular projects led by women and youth. 
Farm workers are a key component to food security and the IFP prioritizes their rights and needs. We also need to promote the sustainable use of land and ensure the necessary access to land. All these initiatives echo the IFP's principles of self-help and self-reliance. As the saying goes, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Honorable House Chairperson, the realities of food insecurity on the continent cannot be divorced from the raging conflicts and the instability which we see. It therefore becomes important that a multi-pronged approach not only focuses on diplomatic relations towards democratic stability on the continent, but a far more aggressive and deliberate approach towards ensuring food security on the continent, particularly for women and children. The agenda of silencing the guns has to take precedence in this regard as well. Closer to home, House Chairperson, we need to do more. We need to focus our energies on ensuring that we revive the farms that used to ensure that our people have food. We need to have a skills transfer and an education system that is responsive to the needs of the agricultural sector to ensure the sustainable livelihoods of our people insofar as food security is concerned. This is a non-negotiable because without food, there is no future. Our people are hungry now and the challenges of malnutrition confront us today. This requires a healthcare system that is also responsive and fully functional to the daily lived realities of our people. It requires us to educate our people about what it is that will ensure that they live a fruitful life insofar as nutrition is concerned. The Honorable Priet. Voorzitter, een beloofde 50 miljoen rand aan Kiba om aan hulle voedselnood aan te spreek. 22 miljoen rand vir een vlag om nasiebou te bevorder. Beide hierdie aankondigings was ondeerdag en uitvoeling uit met die realiteit van Zuid-Afrikaanse burgers. Die eerste moest dier die dringende hof interdik van die burgerrechteorganisatie tydelik gestop word, met die tweede wat ook nou hersien word, na nagenoeg die jylle Zuid-Afrika saamgestem het, dat 22 miljoen rand vir een vlag een slechte idee is. En dit, terwyl 40% van Zuid-Afrikaanse burgers honger is en aan die ambtelike vereiste van honger voldoen. Dis een skryende skande. Ons collega's uit die regerende partijbanke praat gereeld oor Afrika-eenheid en die Afrika-vryhandelsweereenkomst. Daar word baie oor die continent, hoe lande moet handen vat om mekaar bij te staan en voedselsekuriteit aangespreek moet word in die collectief van die continent geredeneer. Daar is Afrika-dag en Afrika-maand. But when push comes to shove, this ANC government would rather prioritize historical friends than the continent. Until this is not addressed, we will not help to debate sustainability and nutrition or food security on the African continent. Today is a futile exercise because it will not assist the millions of hungry Africans throughout this continent. Talk shops do not work. Action helps. When looking at the statistics, it is quite shocking. 
Chronic nutrition contributes to stunting in children under five years of age. This means that a child is too short for his or her age and can have long-term negative impacts on health and development. Prevalence of stunting is the highest in the world in eastern, middle, and southern sub-regions of Africa. In South Africa, one child in four under the age of six has chronic malnutrition and is stunted because of that. Acute nutrition also contributes to the way of children. In 2020, globally, 45.4 million children under the age of five wasted away, a quarter of that in sub-Saharan Africa alone. According to the 2021 Global Hunger Index of countries that are most affected by hunger and malnutrition, only eight out of the 30 are not in Africa. In 2017, conflict was the major cause of food insecurity and hunger in 18 countries, affecting about 74 million individuals. 11 of those 18 countries were in Africa, which totaled about 37 million people. More than 42% of South Sudanese population faced severe food insecurity. And that was in a oorlogzone. Suid-Afrika staan op 40% buiten oorlogzone. The history of hunger and famine in Africa read like a horror novel. Sedert in 1960s is dit of droogte, of oorlog, of vloede, wat voedselsekuriteit in Afrika bedreig, miljoene is al dood as gevolg daarvan. Terug op eie bodem, die meest onlangse, is die vloede in KZN. In KZN has taught us one thing. It is that South Africa does not yet have a structured system in dealing with food security and disasters such as drought or floods. Maar voorzitter, ek sluit af. Te midde hierdie faktore, natuurlijke rampe en oorloe, is daar nog een bijdraande factor wat voedselsekuriteit in Afrika, en specifiek in Suid-Afrika, kniehalter en bedreig. Voorzitter, en dit is die ANC en die ANC's ideologie. Want so lang as wat die ANC regeer, sal daar nie voedselsekuriteit in Afrika of in Suid-Afrika wees nie. Ek dank u. The Honorable Member, the Honorable KRJ, our country has proven in a number of ways that it has the capacity to recover quickly from a period of serious challenges and difficulties. To strengthen resilience in this nation, we need to build strong relationships with our families, neighbors, and friends to enable us to build support systems that will sustain us during difficult times and stormy days. Africa has not done well in the area of sustainability. A number of positive things that were inherited after independence have been lost because of lack of sustainability. In most cases, African countries inherited excellent road and rail infrastructure that could not be sustained because of lack of proper maintenance by subsequent governments. During my primary school days, children were taught proper hygiene, good nutrition, and how to plant and grow vegetables. But those good practices were abandoned years later. 
We, know, we now see how governments are failing to teach society, particularly school children, how to balance individual rights with personal responsibility for our actions and future. Chairperson, we cannot strengthen sustainability in nutrition that our children and broader society knows nothing about. As threats of food insecurity are increasing by the day, governments must start programs to encourage members of the public to start growing their own food. Families should be encouraged to start their food gardens and train their children and friends to do likewise. The continent of Africa cannot continue complaining when we can do things for ourselves. We need leaders in Africa who will tackle human rights abuses, stop increasing incidents of gender-based violence on the continent, and create environments that will be safe for all those living and visiting their countries. Africa needs to silence the guns and start using their vast land to produce food for their people and start planning to export food to those countries that don't have the spacious tracts of land that we are blessed with. We have the potential, we have the means. Africa should start looking inside what is holding us back and see the potential of feeding not only the continent, but parts of the world. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I think I think the point we should make here, perhaps less eloquently than I'm making it less eloquently than other speakers is the fact that uh, Africa is not short or does not lack, is not short of plants. If you were to start in 1900, the first Pan-African uh, Pan Conference, which was organized by Henry uh, Sylvester Williams, an advocate from Trinidad and Tobago, and then another one in 1919, which was organized in, in Paris, you look at especially the most important one, the 1945 one, the Manchester Conference, where leaders were outlining, trying to outline the vision of an Africa that we sought to become. The speakers that came before us also cited the important heads of summit, uh, the, the summit of the heads of states in 1963 in Addis Ababa, where here Selassie was an important host. Even then, the plan was to try and outline an, an African Renaissance program, which sought to cover a number of aspects included, included in them is one of food security. I want to also remind the sitting that in 1979, Moni will remember that there was a Monrovia declaration which sought to deal with this aspect in particular. It talks about food supply and food security. Fast forward to the 1980 Lagos plan, same thing contained in there. Fast forward to NEPAD, New Africa, New Partnership for Africa's Development, the same issue is contained in there and many other issues. What lacks is perhaps commitment on the part of leaders on the African continent in particular to make sure that these, these goals and dreams and plans are indeed realized. If you were to even look at the agenda 2063, 
it's the same thing that we talk about. We are very good and eloquent at identifying problems and, and even writing fancy and glossy problem statements and even come up with fancy and creative proposals. But the problem with the African continent is the lack of implementation. I want to give an example. I grew up in one of the Bantu stands in the former Siskai area where people were, were encouraged uh, to, to do subsistence farming. The point that was made here by is very true that that is what used to happen in the past but it can't happen in Africa where there are serious and gross human rights violations where we're failing to silence guns on the continent where we tolerate despotic regimes on the continent but not only that look at the influence the influence of the former colonial masters on the rest of the African continent especially when you're talking about the francophone region and what is happening there so the issue that we want to put forward is that <clears throat> organizations or rather institutional bodies such as the AU and the institutional framework that we made possible to the, to the constitutive act of the AU, if you remember the one which I adopted in 2000, are with the ones that should be helping us to drive these programs forward. Because if we don't do that, we are not going to have a coordinated program and plan for the future. Amanda. Thank you very much. Honorable, Honorable Heron. Uh, thank you, House Chair. Um, House Chair, South Africa collectively produces more food than it can eat. Your attention, Honorable Members. Give a member a chance, please, your attention. Thank you. House Chair, South Africa collectively produces more food than it can eat. Yet approximately a quarter of our population experiences food shortages. With approximately a quarter of our people suffering from hunger, how can we expect to build a sustainable and stable society? We cannot make progress while young people, young and old, are going to bed with empty stomachs. Environmentalism, sustainability, and climate change are all issues that are no longer up for debate. They are matters of national, continental, international, and even planetary concern. There are no borders, politics, and discussions with Mother Nature. So we need to understand that as a matter of generational justice, for the sake of future generations, we need to make serious change and implement preventative measures. While other nations struggle to deal with tsunamis, earthquakes, and tornadoes, which wreak havoc in urban environments, we face a completely different type of killer. Floods, famines, and droughts impact one of our most basic needs, being the access to food, an issue that the entire African continent has been battling with for decades. KwaZulu-Natal's flooding disaster is the living evidence that there is need for rapid change in our attitudes, that we're not only to combat climate change, but safeguard our people against the fallout after the disaster has taken place. Food security should be what grounds our rebuilding project. We have lost critical crops for both domestic consumption and exports. Our task now is to reduce our impact on the climate and build back with a clear understanding of how our consumption of our natural resources including land, has contributed to the devastation we've seen. We can also take inspiration from the incredible projects being created by African organizations to combat this. Projects such as the Eastern Cape's Sibosiso Ready Food Supplement, which provides a paste similar to peanut butter, has been a, a major success and a major form of aid to children battling malnutrition. And we must support sustainable fishing solutions such as the Zini fishing farms in KZN. These farms should not be forced to close their doors due to a lack of funding and investment, 
Rather, they should be protected and supported as the future of sustainable fishing in South Africa. Initiatives and companies such as these have the potential to feed and employ families, communities, and eventually towns with the correct support. Education plays a vital role in understanding the idea of sustainability. But when our citizens don't have the necessary food to survive or support a family, how can we expect them to care about the future rather than the empty plates of the present? We have the South African means, we have the South African innovators, but what we lack is the support of policy and government. Let this Africa Day be the first seed planted in our journey into a sustainable South Africa. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Uh, the Honorable P.S. Masango. Also, I just give my name. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. As we join our sister countries on the African continent to celebrate Africa Day, despite the challenges the continent continues to face, we echo the pledge made, made on the 25th of May, 1963 by the Emperor Haile Selassie, when he said, and I quote, may this convention of union last a thousand years, close quote. Honorable Chair, if there was a time when the continent of Africa needed strong resilience and sustainability in nutrition and food security, that time was now. But a question has to be asked, what really weakened the resilience and sustainability in nutrition and food security in Africa? The answers are complex and lie in the factors that are way beyond the continent's control, and many can be put at the door of different governments and their leadership. That is where the strengthening will find its origin. There have been events unique to Africa, both self-inflicted and inevitable, that have to be evaluated. Among those beyond her control, one can include climate change, pandemics, including the devastating COVID-19 pandemic, drought, and the most recent floods in KwaZulu-Natal and the Eastern Cape. The need for resilience against these disasters is justified. However, resilience against conflict, corruption, and greed is asking too much from the battered citizens of Africa, given the fact that the resilience, according to Oxford Dictionary, means, and I quote, the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, close quote. Africa's difficulties have been ongoing, unrelenting, unending, and hard-hitting, and they have not given the continent or her citizens time and space to recover quickly. Honorable Chair, the statistics of food insecurity in Africa are staggering, and they are testing the resilience, courage, and fortitude of millions of Africans on a daily basis. The resulting assault forced many against their will to flee their home countries just to survive. Let us focus, for example, on South Africa's shocking food insecurity statistics. According to State South Africa, in 2020, almost 23.6% of South Africans were affected by moderate to severe food insecurity, while almost 14.9% experienced severe food insecurity. We have confirmed statistics of 3,886 children under the age of five years dying 
in South Africa's medical facilities from acute malnutrition in the past five years. These figures, Honorable Chairperson, are children who die in medical facilities. This means the picture is far bleaker when one considers the number of children dying at home. But it is hardly surprising, given the runaway food prices that so many unemployed can ill afford. According to Peter Maritzberg Economic Justice and Dignity Group's Household Affordability Index in April 2022, a household food basket increased by 2.1% from 4,450.09 in March to 4,542.93 in April. It is deeply concerning that government uses none of these readily available data to make decisions that affect millions of South Africans. Africans. For example, what is the SRD grant of 350 Rand based on? What's the scientific evidence? What, what, what scientific evidence was this based on? This, this picture is mirrored against an estimated 346 million people in Africa who are facing severe food insecurity. It gets even tougher to strengthen resilience when reports say that Africa's numbers of undernourished people is growing faster than in any other region of the world. Honorable Chairperson, I submit to you that although Africa's people might be experiencing seeing the most difficult time in recent history, all is not lost. The men and women sitting in this and many other chambers throughout the continent, enabled by their constitutions, can play a meaningful role in ensuring that the theme of today's Africa Day is realized in foreseeable future. We owe it to the pioneers who fought gallantly for us to celebrate Africa Day today. We also owe it to the future generations to bequeath to them a a, a continent worth celebrating. Honorable Chair, I dare politicians to take personal and collective responsibility to reflect on the state of the continent. May the words I keep seeing during, I kept seeing during my research on Africa Day for this debate, which are extreme hunger, drought, conflict and corruption be replaced by abundance, high employment, harvest, peace and justice. And lastly, Chair, may God bless Africa and her people. Thank you very much, Metape. Um, okay, honorable members. Modulas to low Maloko antwa tlotlegang ma Africa ke a dumedisa. Ke boitumelo go tsaya karolo mo khothakhotheng ya go keteka letsatsi la Africa. Africa e re ipelang ka yone ya dimela diphologolo, dimenerale, dithaba mawatle a ikgethileng. Re le ma Africa re le batho ba yona ka ditsotse di farologaneng. Rotlhe re dumela gore temothuo e botlhokwa mo continenteng ya Africa. Le fa sa tsebitsi ya mo manane nga dipolitiki le ya mibuso se se fokotsa khona galo ya peletso mo dimothuong me bile setsenya tshireletso ya dijo mo pitlaganong house chairperson from the very root of its foundation 
The ANC has always been Pan-African in outlook and orientation. Today we celebrate Africa Day, the day on which the Organization of African Unity was established in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia in 1963. This is a very historic day in liberation of all Africans from oppressive colonial and apartheid rule. Honorable members, climate change and subsequent depletion of resources have left mutilations to the bulk of African communities, in particular the disadvantaged members of our communities. In celebrating and supporting Africa Day, I will therefore speak on climate change issues in Africa with regard to preservation of environment for sustainable nutrition and food security. Fellow Africans, the increasingly unpredictable and erratic nature of weather systems of, on the continent have placed an extra burden on food security and rural livelihoods. Widespread destruction of farms and homes by floods previously in Burkina Faso, recent floods in parts of KwaZulu-Natal, Dielpan in the Northwest province, and some parts of the Eastern Cape here in South Africa, as well as the prolonged drought in Ethiopia, demonstrate the extent of the threat posed by Africa's changing climate. Other adverse impacts of climate change are also manifesting themselves on the continent, and these include heat waves, increasing corpus, and diseases. We have experienced in South Africa a fair share of crop pests such as fall armyworm, brown locust infestation, and even felt fires. Honorable members, the major concerns for Africa's key economic sectors include a heightened threat to food security, inadequate water resource availability, degeneration in natural resources productivity, diminished biodiversity, and increasing land degradation. All these affect both crops and livestock. Of late, there has been a greater appreciation of the interdependencies between water, energy, and food security. And this came to be known by some academics as water energy food nexus approach. It is argued that water it is at the core of sustainable development and has strong linkages to all sustainable development goals and that climate change will add measurable stress to water resources in many regions of the African continent. Fisheries will particularly be affected due to changes in sea temperatures. Declining incomes and rising unemployment are expected to hit agriculture zones. It is evident that small agricultural towns and drop-piece uh, economies are collapsing. However, we are hopeful as South Africa is moving towards addressing these challenges through the district development model approach. House Chairperson, the commemoration of Africa Day, therefore, should remind us of the provisions of the AU Master Plan, that is Agenda 2063, the Africa we want. Of particular importance are the goals that suggest programs such as ending hunger, achieving food security and improving nutrition, as well as promoting sustainable agriculture, implementing climate smart agriculture for increased productivity and production, promoting biodiversity, 
conservation and sustainable resource management, including water security, developing environmentally sustainable and climate resilient economies and communities, including natural disaster preparedness. Honorable members, the African Union has a number of continental frameworks and declarations essential for combating Africa's food and agricultural program. And this includes comprehensive agriculture Agricultural Development Program, the Maputo Declaration, the Abuja Food Security Summit Declaration, and Malabo Declaration on Accelerated Agricultural Growth and Transformation. In order to, to guarantee Africa's food security, there needs to be an increased agricultural trade among African states. The African Continental Free Trade Agreement is a historical realization of the OAU for an increased trade cooperation among African states and the African diaspora. One of the purposes for this agreement is to work towards promotion of industrial development through diversification of regional value chain development, agricultural development, and food security. Honorable members, much work must go to local level with regard to understanding the impacts and communities' capacity to adapt. Our continent must prioritize addressing the challenges of climate change with national development plans, adopting pathways that are climate resilient and less carbon intensive. They must promote clean, efficient energy technologies and sustainable management of natural resources, such as land, water, and forest. Such development pathways would help reduce exposure of vulnerable communities in Africa to the adverse impacts of climate change, while at the same time, contribute to the global greenhouse gas emissions reduction efforts. We must promote agroforestry with trees that improve soil, fast growing trees for fuel, indigenous fruit trees to provide added nutrition and income, and trees that can provide medicinal plant products. We need to create food banks and discourage food waste. In South Africa, there are efforts to limit emissions. We must agree, honorable members, that climate change is now part of our daily lives. We have to learn to limit and adapt its impact. The Bill of Rights in our constitution is the backbone of our democracy. And in it, we have section 24 that deals with promotion and the protection of everyone's rights to an environment that is not harmful to their health and well-being. National Climate Change Adaptation Strategy Processing Climate Change Bill and Supporting Presidential Climate Change Commission are some of the issues we must focus on to mitigate and adapt to climate change and meet South Africa's international obligations. Above all, we must promote our indigenous food, promote our nationally bred and produced cultivars by the Agricultural Research Council to fight food insecurity. We therefore support the call for agricultural intensification and resilience of food production systems to be strengthened through formation of key synergies between mitigation and food security. This means ministers environment and minister agriculture must collaborate in successfully leveraging finance from mitigation to support climate smart agricultural development strategies. Fellow Africans, let us all embrace and implement our master plan, Agenda 2063, the Africa we want. I love you, Africa, and I'm proud to call you home. May God bless Africa, bless her sons and daughters. Maitabasa, Zikomo, Midasi, Merci Buku, Bayadanki, Kialebo.
Thank you, Honorable House Chair. Yes, indeed, it is correct that Africa is one of the richest continents, but it's got nothing. 30% of the world's minerals, but yet it doesn't control it. It has 40% of arable land, but only 13% of that, of the food needs of the African continent will be able to be delivered as a result of what? Corruption, looting, maladministration, self-enrichment, wanting to stay in power until you take the organization and the country to the grave, not wanting to relinquish power. That is what's happening in the African continent. Now I heard somebody saying, God bless Africa. God did bless you with all these things. Yes, indeed. What did you do? You took it and destroyed it. It's exactly what we've done. Let's look at it. The East African community, the West African community, the Central African community have all sitting with the same problem. Let me tell you one of the problems you got. You had 811 million people in Africa in the year 2000. That has increased to 1.4 billion in 2021. That's the only thing that increased, nothing else. Let me tell you what the experts are saying. Low quality education is one of the root causes of why there's no progress in Africa and this country is one of them. Let us be honest, the poor quality of education is not producing the skills that you need in this country like the rest of Africa as well. The next thing they are highlighting and very important is the poor infrastructure in the entire Africa. Exactly the same problem that we've got here now. I don't know if you saw the road. I think it's warp stuff. If you saw the road, even your VIPs that are taking the members of parliament and the ministers around will not be able to go there. That I want to promise you. Now, let me say something to you. Africa has got all the gold, got all the diamond, got all the cobalt, got all the iron ore, got all the platinum. But we got nothing. So Africans are their own greatest enemies. That is why there's no success. And as long as you have selfish leaders in Africa who do not want to relinquish power, Africans will never be better off. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. May, may I, honorable members, honorable members, honorable members, honorable members, hello. Uh, please, honorable members, let us take care not to drown the speakers. 
And let's take care of that. Thank you, Honorable Imam. Uh, Honorable Jafta. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Chair. <laughs> Honorable Chair, Africa has uh, 54 recognized states. Most of these states are conflict ridden and food insecure. Obasanjo, Nigeria's former president, writes that, I quote, conflict and fragility poses a major challenge to Africa's growth prospects, close quote. Despite Africa boosting a natural mineral resource, there is, open quote, a strong evidence that this has not resulted in inclusive economic and social transformation, close quote. That's according to Obasanjo. While many African states were bread baskets for the continent, their economies have been affected by rigid nationalization policies, corruption struggle for corruption struggle for ownership, management, and control of natural resources, as well as unequal distribution of these resources. The state infrastructure on the continent. And has a direct bearing aids for produce to, to produce their not their to produce their own food. For example, the Democratic Republic of Congo, the 11th largest country in the world, has fewer than 1,500 miles of paved roads. For ordinary citizens, the most common options for transportation are their feet bicycles and dugout canoes. We know that road infrastructure is important in the value chain of food production and distribution. Therefore, Africa must invest social and road infrastructure uh, for its food security. It must implement expropriation of land policy, policies with an open eye for food security and agricultural production. Africa must diversify its export, com export commodities and invest in new technologies in sectors such as the ocean economy, aquafishing, and agro-processing. We commend the investment support provided by the African Development Bank in countries such as Cote d'Ivoire, the DRC, Liberia, and Sierra Leone who received budget support programs in the early stages of peace that helped those countries to further stabilize their economies and also support such as the agricultural sector as well as to water supply and sanitation infrastructure rehabilitation. This was seen as central to providing food security in those countries and elevating the blight of poor. I thank you, Honorable Chair. The Honorable Hendrix Al Jamal. Honorable House Chair, let us be committed to the war cry 
which resonated throughout Africa during the anti-colonial struggle, which is land, self-determination, and the concept of Ubuntu. It has been 64 years since the call for Africa Day, and yet African countries are still dependent on the mercy of its former colonial masters. African countries are still being held ransom by the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund. Ten years after the call, one of the champions for the United States of Africa was brother leader Muammar Gaddafi. I would like to read something from his green book when he came up with a third universal theory uh, to help Africa become a United States of Africa. And on page 140, they used, he, he, he wrote, and we must understand that what he put in the green book is what he already implemented in his country. So there was a living example of the concepts in his green book. In this new society, land becomes a property of all in which each member of the society has the right together with their relations to carry out this cultivation without employing others. They are entitled to cultivate wheat or maize, grow trees or raise animals. No one hampers them. This form of ownership is inviolable and nobody is allowed to touch it. He goes further on page uh, 140 to say, homes, clothes, food and money are vital necessities for human beings and one's possession of these items is considered sacred ownership. But when one acquires more than one's needs of these vital necessities, someone else has been deprived of them. Therefore, society has the right to expropriate what one has in excess of one's needs. I hope the EFF is listening on the concept of expropriation and compensation and understand what it really means. Al-Jamaa wish every African citizen and resident a happy Africa Day, a day that should be viewed not only as notable, but that should be uh, memorable. Coming back to Ubuntu, we wish to state that this is a key concept in African philosophy. It is one that is in line with the teachings of Islam. These teachings are indeed rooted in Islam's primary sources. Together, they reinforce universal values that include, amongst others, honesty, humbleness, goodness, kindness, and respect. Happy Africa Day. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Member. The Honorable AMM. The evolution of humanity says that Africa reaffirms that she is continuing her rise from the ashes. Whatever the setbacks of the moment, nothing can stop us now. Whatever the difficulties, Africa shall be at peace. Tabu Mbeki from his I Am An African speech. For too long, climate change was seen as an issue for the leaders, the environmentalists and the academics. The South African government never seemed to realize how much a climate crisis will affect ordinary South Africans. As we stand here today, we cannot deny how the two are interlinked. South Africans are feeling the severe impact of climate change.
Honorable Chair, 30.3 million of South Africans are not at peace. Their difficulty and setback is poverty and hunger. They are desperately trying on a daily basis to rise out of the ashes, to get employed, to fight poverty, but to no avail. 13.8 million South Africans are experiencing severe food poverty. This is an absolute disgrace. South Africa experienced the serious consequence of climate change. We experienced heat waves, droughts, water scarcity, and food insecurity. Examples, day zero in Cape Town, the Garden Root fires, the impact of cyclones, Eloise and Anna to Mozambique, and how close this has come to South Africa coastal cities. Then Kweba Dam in Grafrenet, the heat wave in Cape Town, Droughts all over the country, impacting crops and cattle production. Floods in Kuzulu Natal, day zero in Port Elizabeth. Before COVID-19, the FISE analysis indicated that SI already had a very serious food insecurity problem of almost 10 million people. The high levels of poverty across South Africa leaves many without the resources to buffer themselves and recover from the changing climate. Poor people do not have access to food. They do not have money to buy food. And with the petrol price so high, they cannot afford taxes or transport. Self-sustainable vegetable gardens can only be effective if there is water and correct temperatures. Children in our country are dying due to malnutrition and hunger. We cannot turn a blind eye anymore and think that climate change does not have an impact. South Africa needs leadership that will effectively and actively combat climate change to ensure that the earth doesn't warm with another 1.5 degrees Celsius. No strategic plans or international signed Paris agreements will make a difference without political will or proper implementation. Government's ineffective enforcement of the law to ensure the prosecution of perpetrators is ghastly. Coal fossil fuel power stations keep polluting with no consequences. The mining industry, especially illegal miners, do not rehabilitate, destroying ecosystems and waterways, which causes temperatures to keep on rising. Industries continue as well as there are no consequences for their behavior. Their contribution to climate change is disastrous. Climate change interventions need to form an integral part of budgets and should not be regarded as an optional. The people of South Africa deserves more. They deserve a government that cares, a government that will ensure that there is food security, a government that will ensure there are consequences to those that jeopardize the lives and food security of other South Africans. Then only can we speak about peace. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Uh, the Honorable Deputy Minister of International Relations and Cooperation. Thank you very, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair, uh, President of uh, South Africa, President Ramaphosa, Deputy President Mabuza, Cabinet Ministers, fellow members of Parliament, Chief Whip of uh, the Majority Party, Honorable Majordina, all members of the eight uh, RECs, the Regional Economic Communities of the African Union. I thought, ladies and gentlemen, colleagues, it's important to take the House into confidence that Pan-Africanism uh, is the most pivotal and important foreign policy priority of the South African government, uh, coupled with global solidarity. We do this, Honorable Chair, because we acknowledge that we were once a people that was oppressed, that we were once a people that was subjected through imperialism, 
subjected to colonialism. We acknowledge that because of global solidarity, countries such as Cuba, Egypt, Libya, Tanzania, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, constitute an indelible role in our freedom. We acknowledge that once uh, there was the 1884 Berlin Conference convened by King Leopold II of Belgium. So we acknowledge that as the rest of Africa, we were once an oppressed nation. And therefore we give homage, we give homage to Kwame Nkrumah, Abdel Nasser, Samora Machel, Kenneth Kaunda, Eli Selassie, Sam Njoma, Joma, Jomo Kenyatta and Julius Nerere. We do so, Chair, because we do identify ourselves as Africa. The most important questions that members of parliament must pose is that what is the optics through which you look at South Africa? What is the optics through which you look at the rest of Africa? If you do identify with Africa, you will realize that through agenda 2063, which speaks about inclusive prosperity in the Africa we want, that indeed the class is half full. If you do not identify with the pan-Africanism, you will submit that the class is half empty. We do identify that there has been progress made, Honorable Chair, through strengthening resiliency, nutrition, and food security on the African continent, in line with aspiration one. We do submit that the sustainable development goals is pivotal, especially SDG one, that speaks about ending of poverty and SDG two, that speaks about zero hunger. We do confirm adherence to what former President Becky says, is that as Africans to have a common and shared unity, it requires a common and shared value system. That value system, uh, is underpinned, uh, honorable chairperson, as it relates to acknowledging the establishment of the African Task Force on Food and Nutrition Development. In 1987, the adoption of the Maputo Declaration, the NEPET Initiative in 2003, the adoption of the Malawi Declaration in 2014, the endorsement of the African Union Champion in 2014, under the stewardship and tutelage of His Majesty King Letsi III of the Kingdom of Lesotho, and the launch of the Continental Nutrition Accountable Scorecard in 2019, strengthening of and the resilience in, in food security requires unity of purpose amongst all African Union states. It cannot be that, according to the African Development Bank, we have 65% of uncultivated arable land left in the world to feed 9 billion people by, by 2050. In 2017 alone, Chair Africa spent 64.5 billion US dollars in importing food. This is unsustainable and unaffordable and it's absolutely unnecessary. What we require to act with unity of purpose is to eliminate immediately the negative balance and to start to sow grow, process, consume, and ultimately export the food ourselves. Honorable Chairperson, agriculture accounts for 60% of jobs across the continent. And despite its central role, the agricultural sector accounts for 16.5% of 
of Africa's GDP due to its low uh, productivity. Implementing the Abuja Treaty in its totality is therefore more urgent and pressing than yesteryear. And the African continental free trade area is a perfect vehicle for the enhancement of intra-Africa trade. We do so, Honorable Chair, because we are conscious that there is a 16.3 billion rand commitment from the South African government in terms of financing its agriculture and food security uh, endeavors. I have also looked substantively at the stats essay report, and unlike some of our members, wants to quote uh, the following chairperson. In South Africa, the South African government, through its decisive interventions, have reduced multidimensional poverty from 17.9% in 2001 to 17% to 7% in 2016. Households hunger, household hunger in South Africa have dropped from 2.7 million to 1.7 million per household. It therefore holds, Honorable Chairperson, that is a leadership of foresight. There is a leadership that is committed to the Maputo and the Malabo uh, Declaration. We are committed as the South African government to all seven of the Malabo uh, commitments. That includes, Honorable Chair, the, uh, the comprehensive Africa agricultural development program process, which amongst others are led by Tanzania, Zimbabwe, and Rwanda. The second commitment about enhancement of the financial facilities in, in agriculture, led by Zambia, Iswatini, Seychelles, and Egypt. The Malabo commitment number three of, anger, of ending of hunger by 2025, South Africa together with Kenya have, through the eyes of the AU, registered remarkable progress in reducing post-harvest losses above the Malabo target of 50%, and South Africa recorded a definitive leapfrogging, honorable chair, of 99.88% of reducing post-harvest losses. This would be music to the ears for the farming community of South Africa. Honorable Chairperson, we are committed as the South African government to work towards halving of poverty through agriculture by 2025, working amongst others uh, with countries such as Ghana and Morocco. And in terms of Malabo Commitment 5, the boosting of intra-Africa trade, we know that, Honorable Chairperson, the trade figures in South Africa have, have increased remarkably. We have recorded we have recorded, Honorable Chairperson, that unlike in the past, unlike in the past when South Africa, the chief trading partner to South Africa was the regional bloc of the EU, what I can confirm to this House today, ladies and gentlemen, is that exports to Africa in 2021 stood at 385 billion rand against export to the EU, which stood at 355 billion rand. What it says is that the African Continental Free Trade Agreement is an important instrument in mobilizing uh, the agricultural communities and the enhancement of food security. On Malabo Commitment 6, around the resilience of climate variability, South Africa is committed to work with Zimbabwe, Namibia, Malawi, Morocco, Lesotho, Ghana, Gambia, and Seychelles around this matter. Good news, Honorable Chair, is on Malabo Commitment 7, the enhancement of accountability. 
South Africa is leading in this regard together with, with Rwanda, Morocco, Mauritania, Tanzania, Tunisia, Senegal, and Ghana. We therefore wish to commend, we wish to commend the four African states, Burundi, DR Congo, Ethiopia, and Mali, for having met the target of spending at least 10% of the national expenditure on agriculture, thereby being the lodestars of the Maputo Protocol. Honorable Speaker, Honorable Chairperson, land ownership inequalities and landlessness are growing. And in Cordova, Kenya, Liberia, and Southern Africa, they are high enough to undermine shared growth and social cohesion. We should therefore take note and learn lessons from the successful redistribution land reform program undertaken by Mali. Honorable Chair, South Africa appreciates substantively that inclusive prosperity will be accelerated through good governance. And we acknowledge the stewardship role of the APRM in this regard. We equally appreciate the foresight of Auda Nepad, which shapes our developmental dividend and the economic prosperities to be made possible by the urgent implementation of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. Honorable Chair, we concur that Africa's peace and security architecture is a critical driver for development through the APSA. We must therefore be proud, Honorable Chair, that the Organization of African Unity substantively achieved its objectives of decolonizing Africa. And we must be confident on the occasion of the 20th anniversary of the African Union that an inclusive prosperity for Africa is a real possibility. As I conclude, Honorable Chairperson, we must, we must frown at the South African state on politics of brinkmanship. Politics of brinkmanship, Chairperson, says that when a political party seeks to undermine the foreign policy uh, perspective of a government, it is politics of brinkmanship. We should at all times respect the territorial integrity of member states of the United Nations. We should at all times advance the issues of peace diplomacy in Africa and in the rest of the world. And therefore, what is important, ladies and gentlemen, is that our bilateral trade with both Russia and the UK stands at approximately 16 billion rand. It is in the interest of the South African government that there should be immediate cessation of hostilities, there should be the implementation of the 2015 Minsk Agreement, and there should be, ladies and gentlemen, the matter of self-determination for the people in the Donbas region. I wish to conclude and thank you, uh, Chairperson Siabonga and Kosi Kakulu, Bayadanki Fela Nseta Kiyutu Metsi, Asanti Sani Mersi Buku. Thank you very much. Honorable members, may I humbly request your attention. May I humbly request your attention. Humbly request your attention.
honorable members, 15 honorable members presented very good debate today. And the rest of the house was very attentive and well behaved. So the decorum of the house was strictly observed. Congratulations. And that concludes the debate. That concludes the debate and the business for the day. The house is adjourned. Long live the Chepesen.